Hi, thanks for tuning in to Never Mormon Always Curious. We're your hosts, Abby and Jess. As the title suggests, we have never been Mormon. However, we are always curious. I like to think of myself as an amateur historian, anthropologist, and theologian of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. And I, as her wife, am good at listening and asking lots of questions on a topic which I have almost no knowledge about. In this podcast, we're going to be having discussions about the history, the culture, and the ideologies of the LDS movement, whilst embarking on a road trip across the United States of America, stopping at important LDS landmarks. As we are non-Mormons, we understand we are coming from a unique point of view. We want to make it clear that we are approaching this podcast from a purely educational perspective. We will strive to be as objective and respectful as we possibly can. However, we will not shy away from the difficult topics. Additionally, as outsiders from this community, we may get some things wrong. Therefore, we welcome all fact checks and feedback. Hello, Abby. Hi, Jess. A little cheeky quick episode. Bit of a a different one, this one. Bit of a bonus. A bonus episode, definitely. Um, Just a little disclaimer. We are currently driving. Uh, We've been on a nine-hour drive today. And we thought, this is eating up precious recording time (laughs) so we thought let's do a little cheeky bonus episode um not not too long um but we it gives us something to do it on our nine hour drive yeah and i was thinking that our last few episodes are a bit information heavy so i thought that maybe we could just do like a bit of a funny one really just based on some observations so i'll let you take it away abby what how? What is this? What is the bonus episode? Okay, bonus episode is Twilight and its Mormon themes. Okay, so for anyone who is unfamiliar with Twilight, it where, was all the rage in two thousand and eight. Yeah, like where have you been? Because it was all the rage. <laughs> um, it was a book series that turned into a film about vampires and werewolves. So, Jess, are you Team Edward or Team Jacob? See, I actually never watched Twilight. I went to see one, and I think it was the last one, um, in the cinema, because I had some friends that went, and I just went along, but I never watched it, I've never read it, until uh, 2020. Yeah, oh god, yeah, that. That that time, and we decided to watch them back to back, and I'm glad I've seen them. Well, yeah, it'll be helpful for this bonus episode. Absolutely, Um, but yes. And you well, basically, yeah. And then um, I never read them. Um, I just watched the movies with my friends when I was in middle school. Um, and obviously, when I was researching for this trip, I remembered that the author of Twilight is Mormon, Stephanie Meyer. Um, so I said I obviously have to read Twilight. So I only read the first book because um, it was painful to read. <laughs> Yeah, but um, I was actually genuinely surprised on how many Mormon themes I seemed to notice when I read it. So, as you mentioned, the author herself grew up Mormon and and was Mormon at the time was, of writing the book. I can't speak for if she's still a member of the church okay, now. But what we know is that she was Mormon when she was writing the book series. Yeah, and do we think subconsciously she? entered some themes into the book that resonated in her life or yeah it was either subconsciously or it's just you know her worldview from how she grew up so she didn't like that's all she knew yeah so like it just made it just was what it was 
you know? Interesting. Yeah. So, this is a, definitely an interesting one, talking about Twilight, this teen phenomenon, yeah. and the Mormon undertones that it, it has. See, now that we're talking about Mormonism, now that you're all listening to a podcast about Mormonism, you're going to find it everywhere. Literally. You, you'll be surprised. You're going to walk, every time you drive down the street, you're going to say, oh, Mormon church, oh, Mormon church, oh, Mormon church, because that's literally all I do. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> who'd have thought this crossover would have happened? But here we are. So let's, so, let's have a little chat about it. What, yeah, uh, what, some of what the things you, I noticed. What are the things you noticed, the Mormon undertones within the Twilight series? Okay, so one of the most famous quotes of Twilight, and I remember in middle school, um, like, girls had this written on their, like, folders for their papers at, okay. like their schoolwork like a doodle yeah yeah and it said something along the lines of the lion and the lamb like the the protector and the weak one right and in twilight stephanie writes about how um edward cullen the vampire is the lion and bella his love interest is the lamb because he's the strong vampire and she's the weak woman human. So, sorry, where does the lion and the lamb come from? Is that a... I think it's biblical. It sounds biblical. Definitely. So, and this was in Twilight. Who, yeah. Who described who? Who was that? Who said that? I think... I can't remember which character said it, but Stephanie Meyer wrote it. And about how Edward was the lion, Bella yeah. was the lamb. So, and what the so what do was, we what do we mean by that? How yeah, does kind of the theme throughout it is that Bella ends up just following Edward. Uh, I don't know if you remember from the movies, but you know she's mentioned into all of the second book is just about her being sad that Edward disappeared. Okay. So like, and she just does everything for him, and like she is one hundred percent dedicated to him. So when I was reading it, it kind of felt like that the lion and the lamb, the lion would be Jesus, and then the lamb would be us, his followers. Right. So that's, and it was, that was very clear to me when I was reading it. That was a theme. So it's um, very um, gendered roles. Oh, 100%. In terms of the, Edward the, the and masculine strong yeah. man and the weak, feeble woman who just listens to everything the man says his word goes yeah and how does that relate to the mormon church is that well the mormon church i mean it literally has a patriarchal structure and i'm not just saying that that's what it's called it's called the patriarch and there's patriarchal blessings um there's patriarchal priesthood so the word patriarch is embedded in the church um so just it's just part of stephanie meyer's world is patriarchy and the woman being not you know for lack of a better word weak so to to clarify does that mean that there is no women in high positions in the mormon church correct a woman cannot hold the priesthood okay so patriarchal is the absolute definition that is the definition of what's happening so so a similar kind of crossover with twilight so um We've got notes that we sometimes look at before our podcast. Yeah. Transparency. We, you know, Obviously, we're good. there's a lot of information. We're good, but we're not that good. No. So on our notes, um, you've mentioned how Bella must follow Edward as God. So I guess that kind of encompasses what we've just talked yeah. about. 
Um, what's the next note? The next note is the need for man for salvation. Oh, yeah. So, obviously, if you didn't know, well, we have mentioned it, Edward's a vampire, right? So, and in his vampirism, he has um, forever, he's immortal. Sure. Okay? And Bella, because she falls in love with him, is desperate to be a vampire because she also wants to be immortal. Right. Right? In Mormonism, the idea when you, when you, uh, the afterlife is kind of a version of immortality because you go into heaven, whatever tier of heaven you get into is you will live in flesh and bones. So it's kind of a way of immortality. Okay, so, but, but you can only get to that level of heaven if you are a good married woman. So in order to get to the celestial kingdom, which is the highest tier of heaven in order to be with Jesus and heavenly father, you have to be married and sealed in the temple which we'll get into later. But basically, you have to have a man to bring you into the highest tier of heaven, and that's your ultimate immortality and salvation, right? So in order for Bella to be um, with Edward for forever, she needs Edward to bring her into that immortality by biting her and turning her into a vampire. Woo! I know. Okay, so so that's... that's interesting. So it doesn't surprise me, uh, even after just talking about the patriarchal structure of the Mormon church, to then know that a woman can't even reach the highest tier of heaven without being married to a man anyway. So, yeah. so that doesn't, that's not the surprising part. No. But what an interesting observation of the fact that Bella has to be. Without Edward, yeah. she cannot do that. Yeah, she so can't have the immortality. Again, yeah. This undertone of needing a man for salvation and for the end goal. Correct. Which Interesting. Is for Bella, which is being a vampire. <laughs> you know, whatever floats your boat. I, well, yeah. <laughs> whatever floats your boat. All right, what's the so, next bullet point? Well, he's kind of leading on from this. So okay. we, we've kind of talked about how Edward, as the vampire, and then the comparison to the men in the Mormon church, um, and their role within a marriage, very much the dominant one, the 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 boss, right? Yeah. The one they're the head they're, of the house. They're the, they're head, the of the head of the house, head of the family. Yeah. And it's very patriarchal and very much gendered roles. Correct. And you know, often that can be misinterpreted as chivalrous. Yeah. And what? How does that look in Twilight? the culture in the Mormon Church, and also in Twilight? Have, have you got an example of what that okay, looks like yeah. in Twilight? So, say you were a young person, right? And uh, you're a young man who just got back from his mission, and you're a young woman, maybe eighteen, nineteen, and you're very, very religious, very Mormon. Um, it's time to get married, right? Because you need to get married and sealed in the temple in order to get to the highest level of kingdom. And you also need to have lots of babies, yeah. right? Because you're bringing people from the pre-soul life. Okay, so um, oftentimes that means you start dating really young. But you're not really dating. It's more like courting, you know, like um, you are you are trying to find someone to get married ASAP to then start having lots of babies, right? Right. So it kind of looks like, you know, um, what 
one might think in 1950s going to the diner to drink a milkshake because they can't have alcohol or coffee or tea or anything, right? So they, you know, go to the soda shop, have, you know, very, very PG dates because um, uh, you have to, you know, obviously one could probably assume that you have to save yourself for marriage. So, um, but then what that looks like is the man is very much chivalrous and the idea he pays for dinner he takes her to the movies, they get milkshakes, right? And then they get married sometimes within like two months of meeting. Yeah, and this also happens at a very young age. You know, they, yeah. they, they, my understanding is that they can start courting one another. At 18. At 18, or could it be Well, prior? you can start dating at, or, yeah, dating at 16. 16, and then they'll be married by 18 most likely. It could, it happens. It happens. It, or so, it would be the girl would be, um, 16 when they start dating, the man could be 18, he goes off on his mission, and then they get married right when he comes back, potentially. Yeah, it's not a case of dating around and no. finding... It, it, this might be an absolute stretch, but it's... I, From my experience and what I've heard from you, um, these marriages and courtships are often arranged between families. No, that's in a different organization. <laughs> But surely it's. I mean, if they're well, in the I guess same, you might you might have a friend of a friend who said, so they or might there's like setups, or they might know each other. But yeah, it, that's true. And the family are very clear on who they well, want. Well, you have to marry a Mormon because exactly. you have to be Mormon in order to get sealed in the temple. So, that, so then that could potentially limit your dating pool if you live in an area with not very many people who are part of the church. Right. So then you might have to rely on friends and family who maybe live in a different area to say, oh, there's this nice boy or girl who. Um, is also single, maybe you guys could get together and go to a movies. Gotcha, gotcha, yeah. gotcha. So so taking everything you've just said there, how does that cross over to Twilight? What how is that presented well, in Twilight? In presented in Twilight, Edward is literally like shown to be the most chivalrous man ever. And the way that Stephanie Meyer kind of describes it is she romanticizes him because he's he was bo- wait, he was he was turned into a vampire during the Spanish flu which was what, like the late 19-teens? It was like 1918 or something like that. Um, so he comes from a time period, right, where men are supposed to be, you know, extremely chivalrous and, and do all of the things that one might expect a Mormon man to do for a woman. So he's praised because of that, because he's from an old time period. Right. Right? Like, bring back good, wholesome men. Manly men, baby. Bring, yeah that type of vibe and it is clear throughout twilight that that is what stephanie meyer is writing yeah um and then and so in part of that it says like oh edward can't touch bella because she's just so beautiful and it's presented as because he wants to eat her which is obviously weird but it's also presented as he doesn't want to like like he doesn't want to be too what is it um he doesn't want to be tempted He's like, I don't want to be tempted to bite her, which is, I don't want to be tempted to, to do adult things with her, right? Right. That's it's that it's very parallel that that's what the uh, the theme is. Gotcha. Great. Well, <laughs> there's a couple of things that are not surprising to me at all, like in the Mormon Church, there's no sex until marriage. Yeah, obviously. Um. Divorce would be like very poorly looked on. 
Yeah, it would be seen as because the family is paramount in your salvation, as we previously previously talked about, like being married in the temple and sealed together, right? Um, that means that divorce gets really complicated because you can't necessarily end the sealing. So you can get divorced on earth, but then when you get to heaven, you would still be married because you were sealed in the temple for eternity. See, that's something we'll have to... Unpack. We'll have to talk. Yeah. yeah. But the idea is, is that because of that culture, divorce is tends, is frowned upon. Completely. Yeah. As well as no sex before marriage. I mean, that's yeah. just a given, right? Yeah. And then another thing um, is uh, no abortions. Yeah. Well, going back to the marriage thing, I remember I was reading it and... Um, Bella's parents, her mom, Renee, and then her dad, Charlie, we stand Charlie. I love Charlie. Um, he was the only character in the book that made any sense whatsoever. Anyways, because <laughs> he was like, what the heck about Edward? Um, anyways, that was a tangent. Uh, Renee and Charlie got married, but Renee left because she didn't like forks, right? And then she took Bella with her and she is the villain of the story. She is evil because she took, she left Charlie um, and took Bella away and she's now gotten remarried and like was just kind of dating. And you, it is clear that she's written as the bad guy. But Charlie, the dad, he never got remarried. There's even a scene in the book where he like still has a picture of Renee up in his house and he still loves her. And so he's written as a character who was true to his vows and he is staying um, uh, true and loyal to Renee, uh, even though they're not married anymore. Mm. So he's seen as the good guy. So, kind of once again, having the male just on a pedestal above whatever the woman's doing, even if it's right for her or whatever. Yeah. He, even though yeah. she was, it was written that she was like seriously unhappy in Forks. Yeah. But she's evil for moving. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. But then for the abortion thing, obviously, this is a polarizing subject, but in, as one can imagine, in Mormonism, uh, you uh, abortion is not allowed. And that's because the soul has already been chosen to be a part of that child before they're even brought to earth. Yeah. Okay, so that's why. Um, uh, but if this is fast forwarding to the very last movie, so spoilers if you haven't seen it. <laughs> um I think it's, uh, it's it's in Breaking Dawn, the book, but in the movies, it's Breaking Dawn Part 1. Um, Bella and Edward end up getting married right when Bella turns 18, okay? So they're obviously saving their adult activities until they are married. Um, Bella needs to be an adult in order for it to be legal, so they wait for her to turn 18. Um, and they don't, and so then they go on their honeymoon, Right. But at this point, Bella is still a human and Edward is a vampire. And then they have adult activities and then they don't use protection because they're Mormon. <laughs> well, they're not actually Mormon, but because of the Mormon themes, right? Yep. They don't use protection. And also there's kind of this thing implied that they didn't realize that Edward could have babies. Right. Right. Because it gets really complicated if you go into the science behind vampires, which is obviously <laughs> not real. It doesn't make any sense. But um, so they end up um, Bella falls pregnant with a child, okay? And the entire book is everyone saying you need to end the pregnancy. 
right? But then there's one character who desperately wants to have a baby. She's another vampire. She's like, the, you know, an adopted sister of um, Edward. Um, she wants to have a baby so bad. And she's like, Bella, Bella, don't get rid of it. That's horrible. This is a gift of, this is a gift. It's a gift, right? Mm. And so then Bella listens to her and she doesn't end the pregnancy, even though the baby is literally eating her from the inside because the baby's drinking her blood because the baby's a half vampire. Wowzers. I know. <laughs> okay, so, so obviously... There is a comparison there towards the Mormon church and the culture. Yeah. So the they, idea is that, that even though the fetus was literally killing Bella and she actually died, right? Yeah. And then Edward had to turn her into a vampire in order to save her. Yeah. She could she didn't end the pregnancy because because she couldn't because of the Mormon themes. Yeah, being that the Mormon church doesn't believe in abortion and would make you have your baby no matter the circumstances yeah so i'm sure there is i mean i can't speak on it if anyone knows let me know i'm sure i would like to think that there would be circumstances where if the mother's health was seriously at risk then they could look at something but you know but this is what but we don't know yeah. this is what we know this yeah. is um but the but the theme is definitely there the themes are definitely there um it's it's pretty interesting to to see, and I think there were. I think it's it seemed intentional, whether it was or not. Yeah. Um, but like you said, the author, it was her life. It was what she knew. Yeah. And you write about what you know. Oh, but the thing that I found the most wild about like this vampire lore world, right, is that. Um, okay, so do you know what creationism is? Quick, quick explanation. Okay, quick explanation. You have evolution, right? Darwin, Earth is millions of years old. We evolved into the humans we are today, right? Yep. Okay, creationism is going off of the Bible timeline, which is the Earth is a just um, just under 7,000 years old, um, and humans were brought to the Earth as fully formed humans. There was no evolution, and that's from the story of the Garden of Eden. Right. Right? Um, in Mormonism, if you're... Because it's lip, they um, take the book, uh, the Bible uh, literally. Sorry, I just stumbled on my words. Because they take the Bible literally, that means they literally believe in the book or uh, in the Garden of Eden. They literally believe in Jonah and the whale, or Jonah and the giant fish. They literally believe in the Tower of Babel, um, which we can talk about these things later. Um, but because they believe in creationism. And Stephanie Meyer would be a believer in creationism. She writes in that Edward is also a creationist. Because at one point in the book, he says something along the lines of, I just can't believe, believe um, the earth wasn't created for a purpose by a higher power. And it's, you know, and it's as old as it is or something like that. Okay. And I remember reading it and it's one sentence and it was very subtle. And I was like, that I think is saying that Edward is a creationist. And he also believes in God because he calls himself of the devil. Hypothetically, if you say that, you, um, if you, because in Mormonism, uh, the devil or Satan is Jesus's brother. Right. So you can't have one without the other. So if you were looking at it from a Mormon point of view, if Edward believes in the devil, then Edward would most likely believe in Jesus and Heavenly Father from a Mormon perspective. Whew. Which is weird and confusing, but I just noticed it when I was reading Twilight. <laughs> and that's 
what this podcast is about. It's about sharing your thoughts. It's about me learning. And it's um, it's interesting. I mean, it, maybe nobody else saw these, but it's something that you saw. Well, so. I would love to know if there's anyone out there who grew up Mormon, grew up LDS, or is still LDS and they've read Twilight, and they notice these things as well, I would love to know. And if you've noticed anything else, please let me know. Because when I was reading Twilight, I just absolutely loved finding these themes. Well, we'll leave it there then. Yeah. Um, I hope you enjoyed this little bonus episode. Um, we're hoping to do a few little bonus episodes that kind of, you know, not completely revolved around the trip that we're on right now. Yeah, um, or just extra background too. Yeah, so... Keep tuning in. Thank you as always. And we'll see you soon. Thanks. Bye. Thanks again for tuning in to Never Mormon Always Curious. If you enjoy this podcast, please subscribe for all Never Mormon Always Curious content.